Happy Father's Day. I want to give a shout out to all the people joining us online today, but specifically some of the dads that are with us online. Rusty Gilbert, we love you, Rusty. We're praying for you. Phil Hubler, one of the funniest men that I know on the planet. Phil, you are so funny. Happy Father's Day. Uh, Steve Barr. Uh, Steve and I went to a Browns game one night uh, when Baker came in and rallied first win. And we got home at like three or four in the morning. Steve, I love you. Happy Father's Day. John Henry, our Santa Claus, a.k.a. John Henry, happy Father's Day. Bob Saxton, uh, I love you, Bob. Uh, Pastor Clint was telling me one time, you know, I was talking to, to Bob, and he had all this jewelry and rings. I'm like, that's Bob. He's styling. Happy Father's Day, Bob. We love you, and there's a lot of other guys joining us online as well as families. Uh, Storyside, would you welcome everyone that's joining us online today? Billy Graham said this about a father, a good father, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. Thank God, uh, I know uh, sometimes we can think about all of the men who maybe aren't doing what they should, and that's a very valid point. It's also a very valid prayer point uh, that we will pray even before this service is over for dads to rise up to take the rightful place. But I don't want it just to be that we look at those that aren't when we are surrounded even today by a lot of men who are. Uh, and so I want to celebrate all of the men uh, who are doing their best to love Jesus and love their families. And I would be remiss today if we didn't share some dad jokes. So get ready to groan. Get your size ready. I want to share some dad jokes with you. My wife asked if I could clear the kitchen table. That's not funny. I had to get a running start, but I made it. I had to fire the guy that I hired to mow my lawn he just didn't cut it. <laughs> These are not even funny. But I do love this one. I went for a job interview at Ikea. The manager said, come in, make a seat. <laughs> uh, tee -hee. I thought the dryer was shrinking my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator all along. Where's my vegans at? Here's a vegan joke. When two vegans get in an argument, <laughs> is it still called a beef? <laughs> That's not funny. I love this one. Spring is here. I got so excited. I wet my plants. <laughs> All right, let's groan. That's a good one. Good one to groan on. When I try to eat healthy, a chocolate bar looks at me and Snickers. I used to hate facial hair. These are bad, aren't they? Should be the one reading them. Uh, I went to a bookstore and saw a book titled, How to Solve 50% of, of Your Problems. And so, <laughs> I bought two. Last couple, why can't you hear a psychiatrist using the bathroom? <laughs> uh, 
An elderly woman in church turned to her husband and said, I've just done a silent fart. What should I do? He responded, change the batteries in your hearing aid. <laughs> That's gross. That's gross. Why did the dad joke cross the road to get to the other side? I want to share with you in our time together today on the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to be here for a season sharing out of this book. We have hundreds of them. If you would like to get one, maybe you write in your actual Bible. I, I take notes in my actual Bible. I feel like I have notes, tops of pages, sides of pages, front and back. I love taking notes in my Bible. This is another option for you if you are not doing a Bible in a notepad or your phone and you would like to actually have the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is the translation that I will be using, our team will be using over the next few months. So if you would like to get one of these, take some notes, just have this with you. Uh, they were offered coming in. If you didn't get one and you change your mind, you can get one as you are exiting today. We're going to take this season and continue our heart for you and I to get rooted, to get planted, for us to have some depth in what the Bible would call discipleship. It's hard to have discipline if you're not a disciple. We really want to take this season to get rooted in our relationship with God. There's a lot of things that's happened the last 15 months, the last 18 months, even in our world. And sometimes those things expose some of the cracks or some of the gaps that people have even in their faith. Uh, and fringe people can fall off. And we really want to take this season to make it a priority that you and I get rooted, that we get really rooted. And so as we are doing that, it will be on all levels. It will be kids ministry, Chance and Faith was just up here talking about giving and children giving. They oversee our kids ministry and whether or not it's our children, our students, the internship, uh, we are going to be looking at ways from the youngest to the oldest that we can really grow our faith. We have VBS coming up uh, July 6th to 8th, but in all of these areas, including Sundays, uh, we really want to ask God solidify us, settle us, stabilize us, all of those things when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ. When you look at your Bible, uh, there are 66, uh, 66 books in the Bible. You have 39 in the Old Testament. You have 27 in the New Testament, and when you start the New Testament, you have what they call the Gospels, the Gospels, or the Good News, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels are going to give you the stories of Jesus Christ, the miracles, those moments of Jesus. It's going to tie in, if you would, the Old Testament and then the transition into the New Testament. So between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have about 400 years of silence. And so when these gospel writers are sharing with us their accounts, their stories, uh, they're going to transition from the old to the new, and they're going to let you know the greatest news about the new is Jesus, is Jesus. And so uh, when we take this season to study one of the gospels, we have already studied the gospel of John a few years ago, we are going to specifically be looking at the gospel of Luke. Now, when you talk about a writer, an author, or one of these gospels, I think it's important to know what they were writing about, who they were writing to, maybe a little bit about the author. 
And so when you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew was predominantly written to Jews, to Jews. And so Matthew uh, is going to be writing that Jesus is the Messiah that the Jewish people. So if you read that first book in the Old Testament, that Gospel of Matthew, that is written through the lens of trying to show the Jewish people this is the Messiah you've been waiting for. And so Matthew is going to use a lot of different perspectives, but one of which is genealogies. That, that is something that Matthew is going to do. So he wants to show that Jesus doesn't just show up, but Jesus is a culmination of generations that have been waiting for God to come. And so in Matthew's writings, he is going to start in verse number one of Matthew one by saying a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And then notice this, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so Matthew is going to be writing to this Jewish mindset, showing them, yes, you love Abraham. Yes, you love David. And I want you to know that Jesus is tied into with genealogy. Jesus is tied into when you look at the gospel of Mark, it's the shortest gospel. It's appealing to a Roman mindset. And Mark is going to present Jesus as the divine son of God and also as the suffering son of God. Mark jumps right into it. So Mark, Mark is the one gospel. And maybe it's one of the reasons it's the shortest. He jumps right into it. Verse number one of Mark one, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. And so he doesn't start with a lot of fluff or extras on the front end. He just goes right into, let me tell you about Jesus. John, that we covered a couple of years ago, John is going to combat Gnosticism or opposition. John is going to write that salvation is in Jesus alone. You know, there's a lot of people that think there's a whole bunch of ways to be saved. John is going to write Jesus is the only way. John is going to tell us that he was fully human, yet he was fully divine. Things like uh, Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That I and the Father's one. John wants you to know he's not just a prophet. He's not just a good man. He's God. John's going to start in John chapter 1, verse number 1, saying things like, in the beginning was the Word. It's going to take you all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And sometimes people are willing to give God a little bit of the credit, but then they want to diversify the rest of it and say, well, this happened scientifically, and this happened, and this happened. John, John just wants you to know in the beginning was God. It was the Word. And then verse 14, the Word became flesh. So John is going to, in combating Gnosticism, in a lot of the miracles that John writes about, he's going to tell you the miracle moment, then he's going to tell you the people that believed, and then he's also going to be honest enough to tell you some people didn't believe. So the next time you're reading through the Gospel of John, just look at some of the miracles, and you will see where John not only shares with you the miracle, he's going to tell you some believe, some didn't believe. I've seen that over my life. Some people believe, some people don't believe. Now we get to Luke. That's where we're going to study, and today we'll take the next 20 or 30 minutes, and I just want to look at the first few verses of uh, Luke, but, but Luke is responsible for about one quarter of the New Testament. So if you take those 27 books, and you take the Gospels, or you take Acts and Romans, or, or you take these letters to, to churches, of course it ends with Revelation, if you take all of these verses and you were to total them up, you would see that Luke, that we're studying today, 
Luke is going to be responsible for somewhere around about one quarter of the New Testament. The reason being is Luke authors, of course, the Gospel of Luke, but he also authors the book of Acts. Luke and Acts are two of the longest books in the New Testament. So although it's only two out of 27, when you look at the chapters, chapter one's 80 verses, when you look at the chapters and verses, Luke is responsible for about one quarter of the writings in the New Testament. Luke is going to write that anyone, and I love this about Luke, there's a lot of things, but I love this. Luke is going to write that anyone can be saved. So when you read uh, Acts chapter 2, it's going to say things like the promises to you and to your children, and here comes Luke, and all that are afar off. Luke's going to tell you things like, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Luke is going to write this good news that he believes Jesus is an option for anyone and everyone. He was an early church, uh, early church member in Antioch. He traveled with the Apostle Paul, was influenced by Paul and Barnab Barnabas. He's very orderly. Those of you that like your checklist and like your, your numbered one through ten, your step-by-step, -step, you might fall in love with Luke. Luke loves that. Luke is also going to use history, and I have a lot of respect for this. Travis, he's going to use history and historical markers to prove that the timeline matches the truth. So when you look at truth and you would say, Micah, I want to know truth. I do too. I want to know truth. Luke puts himself out there, and in his writings, he actually is going to give you timelines, not just spiritually, but historically, that you can see, like, like basically, if I get the timeline wrong, and if I get these historical markers wrong, the timeline's not going to match up with the truth. Luke is so confident in his studies, some people, some theologians actually call him an investigator. They call Luke an investigator. In other words, when he says, I've taken it all into account, and any, you know, some translations uses the word closely, I've watched it closely. In other words, I'm not skimming and scanning. Luke said, when I bring all of this together, I want you to know that I am very secure in what I'm telling you. Very secure in what I'm telling you. And so we want to pick up today, Luke chapter number one, I want to read to you 13, 13 verses, inasmuch as many as, uh, have undertaken to compile, so he's acknowledging other people that have written about this, the narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also. Having followed all things closely for some time past. In other words, it's not rushed. He's taking it all into account. He said, I wanted to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus means a friend of God, and whether that's an individual or in a general way of speaking, he said, I've followed it close, I've investigated, I have sources, I have witnesses, I have the history, I have the geography, all of these things. And he says in verse number four, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now, I think this is fantastic because this is saying, don't just believe, you know, if we were to fast forward to 2021, 
don't just believe because mom and dad did, because grandma and grandpa did. It's what we've always done, Micah. So we always do this. Luke is saying, I want you to believe, and I want you to be confident in what you believe. I want you to be sure about what you believe. I want you to be able to stand on your own two feet even if those others weren't there. He said, and so I want to write to you so that you have this surety or this certainty. So he starts in verse number five, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. Now, if you look at the years and years and years that Herod, king of Judea reigned, all of a sudden now, remember when I told you Luke is putting himself out there? Now Luke is saying, I'm giving you a historical marker. You don't have to just look in the Bible for this. You can look in history. He said, I'm so confident after my investigation that I will match truth with the timeline of what took place with Jesus Christ. So he tells us in verse 5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife and the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. It's very interesting with all of the specifics of these scriptures. He says in verse 6, and they were both, everyone say both. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly. They had no child. And then it gives us the reason because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Verse number eight. Now, so they're old, no child. Elizabeth is barren. Now, while Zechariah was serving, as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. So there is hundreds and hundreds. Some people would give numbers in the thousands of men who would serve in a spiritual sense. And the Bible says here that Zechariah, by lot, his moment, his time, his time comes up, and as he is serving, burning incense as part of this worship, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside, there appeared to him, verse 11, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, final verse, the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Maybe you've heard of the name John before, who's going to prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to be the forerunner. That's John. Well, Luke is giving us the historical timeline, and he's also giving us the family details of how John came into the picture of this plan of salvation, as we would call it. When you read these verses of Scripture, you see... Zechariah, Elizabeth, John. Those are some names that are going to jump out to us in chapter number one. Zechariah, his name means Yahweh has remembered, or another definition of his name is the Lord watches over you. The Lord watches over you. Elizabeth means my God is faithful or keeper of promises. What I want you to notice is that these are good people. These are good people. They're not just good people. I would say they're godly people. So they are, Aaron, 
they are serving, they're praying, right? The angel said, I heard your prayer, God heard your prayer. So they're serving, they're praying, and they are old. And they've been around the things of God, it would seem like, for a long time. In other words, they didn't just start well. They're still in the game. They're still plugged in. Still involved. And these good godly people have what the Bible would call a because or a but. that They're serving, they're good people, but they have no child. And then it says, because. They have no child because they're old and because Elizabeth is barren. Now, I want to press pause here because I think it's really important for you and I, those that are on site, those that are online, I think this is really important. Because I've met a lot of people, and I have, I have been tempted before over my life that when, when times get tough, you can start to question why. Sometimes that question could even be pointed towards God, right? You think, I'm a good person. Why is this happening? Or I'm a godly person. Zachariah, maybe he thought, you know, I, I, I'm serving. You know, I've given years and years to this. Now, there's times that people will tell me, Pastor Micah, after all I've done for the church, after all of these years, after all, I think Zachariah would have had that opportunity, after all I've done. And yet he doesn't in this moment, he doesn't sit on the sidelines. The Bible says he continues to serve. I think in life, we can easily misinterpret what's missing. Maybe for you, it's not a baby. But I just want you to look at the principle of this passage today. Maybe for you, it's not a baby, but we can easily misinterpret what's missing as some sort of a punishment or a consequence. And then we can blame, or we can start to reason it away. Maybe Zechariah and Elizabeth wondered. You know, John chapter 9, verse 2, says, Jesus' followers ask him, teacher, why was this man born blind? There's, there's a young man born blind. Look at the questions here. Whose sin made it happen? Was it his own sin or that of his parents? As I pastor... People will often say that. They could sit in an office, sit in a meeting. We, we could have coffee. We could be, uh, you know, having this conversation. And when things go wrong in your life, it's so easy to start blaming someone. Blaming. Right? I also think in these same conversations, not only do we blame, because we could have blamed, right? It's Elizabeth or it's, you blame I think the second thing that can happen, not only blame, but I think you could become bitter. Now, I want to land somewhere on this story because I think the principle applies in our lives. I love information. I love inspiration, but I also like application. I like for you to be able to have, you know, a moment on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday where, we're, where something we talked about on Sunday, you see it in your life and you're like, wow, the principle of that passage, it applies to my life in 2021. I think, I think you could blame here or in a general sense because, because, because. What's going on in your life right now? Because. Blame. The second thing is you can become bitter. One of the most damaging maybe is, is this third one, and I've watched it. People will beat themselves up. Beat themselves up. 
They don't need someone else to beat them up. They'll beat their, their own selves up. I've had people that have told me, Pastor Micah, I've stood in front of the mirror and cussed myself out. Multiple people. They've cursed at their own selves. You're so stupid. Why would you do that? You're so dumb. And while there are times where we sin and we have a harvest or a consequence, I think there's other times here like John 9 or Luke chapter number 1 where there's things in our life that are not exactly like we want them to be. And it's so easy for us even in those moments to go into this blame or this bitter or this beat yourself up. It would have been very easy for Zachariah or Elizabeth to be like, I am done serving. I am done being involved. I am done doing all of that. I've been a good person. I've been a godly person. And this is what I'm stuck with. And beat themselves up. You know, maybe Zachariah would have been better off without me. Or maybe, maybe Elizabeth wished that this would have looked differently in her life. Or maybe. And sometimes you just start beating yourself up. That's not what we see in this story. We don't see, the Bible doesn't say Luke's not writing this orderly account. Luke is not telling us we've got two bitter people. Luke is not telling us we've got two people that are like nagging and critiquing and complaining. Not what Luke tells us. Luke says they were both righteous before God. They were both, 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 not one, both Zechariah and Elizabeth. By definition, both means the one as well as the other. The one as well as the other. They are both righteous. According to data collected by several men's organizations and the Baptist press, they say if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, if a father does not go to church, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father goes to church regularly, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. That means the potential is there, even with studies and statistics, to hit 75%. If a man will say, as for me in my house, I'm going to lead the way spiritually. They were both righteous. The Bible says they were both blameless. Blameless. Now, blameless does not mean they were perfect. That's not, if you look at the root meaning of the word, it does not mean they were perfect. It means that they were not contrary to God. Matter of fact, you would see in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, 15, 16, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you will be blameless. It calls us to this blameless, this I am not anti-Christ. I am not contrary to God. The Bible says that they were both righteous, both blameless. 
I want to give a challenge today. I want to give a challenge to all of my young men. My boy is 11, turning 12. I want to challenge Micaiah Solomon today. I love our interns. I want to challenge our young men in the internship. See several of you sitting in the front worshiping today. I want to challenge those of you that are young families. You may, maybe you don't have a child yet. You have a child. I want to challenge some young dads today. I want to challenge some dads that you've been in marriage for a while. We've been married 15 years, 25. I want to challenge you today. I want to give a challenge to some grandpas today. I want to give some challenge, challenges to Zacharias who are up in years, up in age. In the next few minutes, I want to give you some challenges today. And, and one of the main challenges is this, that you would be challenged both together. Both together. You say, Pastor Micah, my husband's not here today. Well, I want us to pray that he will be. I'm going to pray that he will be. Say, Pastor Micah, my dad is not where I would like him to be. Right. I want to pray that he will be. You say, Pastor Micah, I didn't have a positive dad figure in my life. Well, I'm going to pray that you are. You say, my dad wasn't in my life. My dad let me down. My, my dad wasn't, wasn't there. I want to pray that you are. I want to give a challenge, and I feel the Holy Spirit even saying, I just want to give a challenge to men on Father's Day 2021. Let the men stand up. Stand up. Both together. You say, Pastor Mike, are you thankful for praying moms? Absolutely. You thankful for praying grandmas? Absolutely. We, we laid my nanny to rest yesterday in Canada. I'm so grateful for godly women. Mother's Day is the third highest attended weekend of the year after Christmas and Easter. God knows we appreciate our mamas and our grandmas, but they also say Father's Day, and it's not happened today, but Father's Day is one of the lowest attended of the year that rivals Memorial Day and Labor Day. 90% of men, some studies say, don't want to go to church. Thank God that StorySide doesn't agree with those statistics. But today on this Father's Day, I don't want to just say I appreciate praying moms and praying grandmas. I want to call some men who are ready to say, I'll pray, I'll worship, I'll stand up. I Both, both, both together. There's Zechariah, there's Elizabeth. There is a man and there is a woman. There's a husband and there's a wife. I believe, not everyone does, but I believe that is God's preferred plan. Both together, not alone. You don't got praying Elizabeth, fasting Elizabeth, and Zachariah's like, ah, you, you do whatever. They're not alone or apart. They're not separate or strained. They're not one in and one out. You know, Zachariah's saying, you do you. They are both together. I want to speak to you just for a moment today, our students. 
Some of you have shared with me, Pastor Micah, you're like a dad to me. Many of your cards and letters I'll put in my memory box. People say, Pastor Micah, you're like a dad to me. And my heart breaks for you. Even today, some of the students that were, were in tears, some that was like, can I, can I be excused even from, from the moment? Can I, can I go home early? They had tears because their dad's either not been in their life or not active in their life right now. And I would tell all of you today, I am so honored and humbled that you would even see myself or others as a father figure in your life. But I also want to challenge you when it's so easy to give into the cycle and they say, well, the apple don't, doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, spiritually, I want to challenge someone that the apple could get way far away from the tree and you could rise up and you could be the young man or the young woman that God has called you, you to be. And so I want to talk to my children today. My children, I have four. I want to talk to our interns. I want to talk to our students right now. I want to talk to our singles. Whether you're younger, whether you're up in years and you're like Pastor Micah, I am so ready to mingle like I am. I want to talk to you for a minute. <laughs> Are you ready? You're like, I want to date. I need, I want. Here's what I, here's what I want to share with you today. There is an agenda that's trying to reshape our nation. It's trying to reshape family. It's trying to reshape faith. And there is a public pressure that is put on everyone when it comes to this subject. There's a pressure that's put on me where people would say, don't talk about this and don't touch that and what about tax exempt and what if they do? And so there is this pressure that is on everyone trying to reshape family as we know it. And people will say, Micah, everyone is doing it. So I don't know all the dating things that you use, whether or not, you know, nowadays you ask people how they meet. A lot of people will say online, some of them Elite and Tinder and eHarmony and Match and the list goes on. But when you are dating, and I want to talk to our students, even my own kids, I want to talk to our interns today, I want to talk to all of you that are single and ready, you are, you're at the gate of love, and you're like, let me loose, just let me loose, I'm going to tear someone up, Mike, I want to talk to you for a second, <laughs> I want to talk to you for a second. I don't know all of the terminology you use, but I've heard some of the words situationship, catch and release. That, that means you don't really care about commitment. You don't really care about covenant. You, you just want to get some and then you want to go. That's some of the reason we're in the problem we're in nowadays. Another term, you're thirsty. That means you have this sexual overdrive right now. You're thirsty. You want to get something. Another term they'll use is, is FWB or, or what we would have called friends with benefits. Now it's just like, I guess, cooler FWB non-binary, gender fluid, pansexual, all of these things that would say 
that you, and I want to talk to you guys, that I see a lot of younger people here in the front, that you could wake up one day and you don't even know what you are today. You don't know what you are. You're going to wake up and you're going to decide, are you gender fluid today? Are you a man today? Are you a woman today? And again, not everyone agrees with my opinion, but my boy is 11. He was born a boy. He woke up today. He's still a boy. He's going to become a man. And God willing, he's going to be a man of God. A man of God. And I want to challenge all of you guys that are looking for a relationship. Guys, would you find a girl Girls, would you find a guy, and would you do this both together, whether you're 12 or 13 or 14, trying to find your identity, or you're 30, 40, 50, find someone that you can say, I want to love God together, I want to serve God together. When it gets tough, it's not catch and release, it's pray and fast, it's stick it out, it's survive the storm because we are both. Come on, I feel the Holy Spirit today. We are both together, together. We'll fight for our faith. We'll fight for family. We'll make a difference. We'll make a difference. You say 2021, that doesn't work, Micah. It doesn't work. Nobody's doing that. Well, I have 60 interns that I believe it because Jesus changed the world with 12. We have 60 interns. We had over 200 at our student camp. We've got 500 and some chance or whatever in the kids' ministry. What if we start right now, Father's Day 2021, saying we're going to raise up a generation that says we want our family back. We want our home back. We want our house back. We want our children back. We are are going to serve. Come on, Storyside. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A family is worth fighting for. As we get ready to pray today, the timeline of these verses that I gave you, there's 400 years of silence. It's 400 years of silence. There's been a lack of visible and verbal interaction spiritually for these people. They don't have the prophets or priests or spiritual leaders they hope for. The timeline is Herod the Great. Remember we read that together. Herod the Great is the leader nationally, if you would, or regionally. Herod the Great is a mean man. He built a lot. He led for years, 30-some years, I believe it was. But here's some of the things that they describe Herod as. He was cruel, hateful, harmful, evil. He had a name that they would call him. He was the slaughterer. I know it's a strong word, slaughter. This is what they would call him. He was the slaughterer of the innocent. One theologian said this, it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. But as we get ready to pray, here's what I want you to notice. In the days of Herod, there was a priest named Zechariah. In the days of Herod, in the days of spiritual silence, in the days where it had been long and lengthy and no sign of what God was doing. I think they were singing the song before we ever sang it, even when I don't see it. 400 years of silence. 
and here comes Zachariah to serve again. Even when I don't see it, here I am. Come on, Zachariah, here I am. In the Bible says Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're righteous, they're blameless before God. I wonder how many days in those tough times, Pastor Desiree, when you're hearing, wow, Herod done that again? Herod killed babies? Cruel, harmful, hate, really, that's what happened again? I wonder how many days that Zachariah would wake up and Elizabeth might say, good morning, Zachariah, and what she's really saying is the Lord watches over you. What she's really saying is Yahweh has remembered. And Zachariah says, good morning, Elizabeth. And what he's really saying is my God is faithful. He's the keeper of promises. And they continue to serve. And they continue, as the angel said, to pray. What is trying to stop you from serving today? For Zachariah, he could say the blame, the bitter, the beat yourself up. He could say the age, the no, he sure could say Herod, right? He could say, you know what? I'm not doing anything as long as that political leader is in the position he's in. You get Herod out of the way, I might come back, but until then, I'm done. That's not what he said. In the days of Herod, there was a priest named Zechariah. What is trying to stop you from serving? Maybe it's not age or older, but it could be. Zachariah could have said, you know what, I'm an old guy. Let those young whippersnappers do it, right? We could get busyness or complacency or frustration or offense, all of these things that could steal our heart to serve. And I think even like Zachariah and Elizabeth, we could have our own Herods where we would say, Pastor Micah, have you... Have you read social media? Are you naive or oblivious to this? Do you look at Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snap or Storyline? Do you even turn on CNN or Fox? Do you even know what's going on, Micah? But today, like I believe the principle of this passage, I'm not asking you how bad Herod is. I'm asking how committed you are, Zachariah. I'm not asking how bleak it is out there. I'm asking how blameless you are right now. In the days of Herod, there was a man and a woman, husband and wife, both together, that was saying, I'm here, whether I'm hearing from heaven or not, whether I like what's happening out there or not, we are together and we will serve the Lord in the years of Herod. And I want to appreciate today all those that are serving. All those that are serving. I pull on the property today. My first interaction was Chris Carmel, who's out there by the road waving signs. Come to the top of the hill the driveway and there was a whole other group of men that was out there serving come around the corner and Jeremy Overholt and Brian Brian Wolf and all of these guys were outside serving here and I parked the car there's men everywhere every, every row I'm looking in I'm seeing men in church today and I just want to appreciate the Zacharias in 2021 that are saying I'll serve 
I'll be involved, I'll stand up. We don't just have to have a thank God for praying moms and grandmas, and I am grateful, but that doesn't have to be our story at Story Side. We could also have to say, I've got to pray in Aaron, I've got to pray in David, I've got to pray in Jake, I've got to pray in Isaac, I've got to pray in Trey, I've got to worshiping uh, Travis Porter, who's back, is that you Michael Pounds? I've got to worshiping Michael Pounds, I've got to pray worshiping Cam Rob. The story of our church could be we have both, both, both together. Come on, story side. Come on, story side. Come on, men. Come on, young men. Keep serving, Zachariah. Keep serving, Zachariah. Don't let anything or anyone stop you from serving, Zechariah. You say, why, Micah? Because while he was serving, an angel showed up. While he was serving, an angel showed up. How awesome would this be? Pastor Justin, what a great message last weekend. What a great message. Think about it. In the days of Herod, there was a Zechariah. In the days of Herod, there was a Zechariah. How awesome would it be if we were to think in 2021, in 2021, there was a Clint Tress. In 2021, there was a Jeremy Overhold. In 2021, there was a Justin Metters. That generations, children, teenagers, you could grow up and we could look back on 2021 and say, I remember when Zach Williams stood up. I remember when men at Storyside got some faith and fight in them that said, you know, maybe everywhere else 90% of men don't want to go to church. Maybe everywhere else is the lowest attended. But here we are going to rise up and we are going to fight for our family and we're going to fight for our future. We can do it, Storyside. We can do it, Storyside. With eyes closed all over the room today, with eyes closed all over the room. I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest with me right now. I know it's hard when you say my husband's not here or my dad's not here and I know it's not easy, but I wanna pray with you right now. We sing those songs about I've seen families reunited or prodigals restored, but that's not just a lyric or a line, it's true, I've seen it. And if today you're saying, you know, I want I want my dad, I want my uncle, I want my grandpa, I want my son. It's Father's Day. Who, who is that man in your life that you're saying, I want to see them saved? I want to see my brother saved, Pastor Micah. I want to pray with you right now. If someone comes to mind, just raise a hand. You, got, you have someone in mind, raise a hand. I want to pray right now. I see hands going up all over the room. Will you call out their name in prayer as we're praying? God, I pray over every son, every dad, every brother, every uncle, every grandpa on this Father's Day that you would begin to work in their hearts, that you would begin to turn their lives around, that you would save them, save them. Would you say that with me even right now? Save them, Jesus. Save them, Jesus. And I pray on site and online for everyone, not just men. I pray for everyone, like Luke said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. If you need to be saved today, that you would say, God, forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. 
I want to follow you. I want you to be the Savior, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe he will hear your prayer right now as you're praying that prayer. He will save you today. He will save you today. And I pray God over our church, over our region, over our state, over our nation, our world, I pray that the glory of the latter house will be greater, will be greater, that even in 2021, that you have some people ready to stand up, stand up for their faith, stand up for truth, stand up for what's right, and I pray it's stirring even right now on a Sunday at Storyside to say, I want a spirit of Zachariah and Elizabeth. I will serve the Lord. And I pray these prayers today in Jesus' name. Amen. Story side, are you thankful for God's word today?